Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Great, let me ask you just to, can you cast your mind back uh, to when you were back at school? You know, for something looking out here, I've got to be honest, for a lot of you that might be a long, long time ago. <laughs> Uh, but for some of you, maybe you're watching online, it maybe it was only like a week ago. And um, let me ask you kind of to think about what was your like favorite subject at school? And, and what, was your, what was your least favorite subject? Now, for me, like one of my favorite subjects was history. I, I liked doing like, you know, projects on the Romans and the Tudors and all that sort of stuff. But one of my, my least favorite subject was, was maths. I just, I just hated it. I, I couldn't understand it no matter how, what the teachers try to do to try and explain things to me. I just, it was a subject that I just struggled with. And I can remember um, many, many times sitting at the dining room table with my dad, who was trying to coach me through some of my, uh, my maths homework. And I think it was like as a painful experience for him as it was for me. Before us on a bit of paper would be like a maths question that I'd been set that I couldn't work out and dad was trying to like do his best to explain it to me. He would say like, you know, if 7x plus 9 equals 23, what is x? And I was like, I don't know dad. I'm just staring at it looking. I I don't know. Well, 7 plus 9 doesn't equal 23, so what do you have to do to the seven to get to 23. And I was thinking, oh, I'm, as, I know it's not a trick question. I know Dad's trying to help me sometime, but I just, I can't work it out. And, and, and rather than just kind of letting the silence go on and on and on, I would just say something. You know, better to say something rather than nothing. So I'd, I'd say nine, yeah, nine. The, the trouble was, rather than saying, no, it's not nine, have another go, he would say, well, why do you think it's nine? Ah, which basically means you're just guessing. You're just guessing. And he was right. And we would go over and over the equation, and, and I would get it wrong multiple times. And, and the more I got it wrong, the more Dad would just kind of circle the X with his pen and, and start pointing to it a bit heavier, as if by some sort of magic, the more he circled it and the more he pointed it, the more obvious the answer would be. But I just couldn't get it. You know, we, we laugh about it now. Dad, if you're, if you're watching, happy Father's Day to you. I uh, appreciate your patience over the, over the years. I would say that I do the same for my kids, but I think they actually find Google much more helpful uh, than me. Uh, and this morning, what I want to do is I want to look at an equation, and, and Dad's probably falling off his seat. What? Publicly? I want to look at an equation, uh, and I want to try and help you see how incredible not only the answer is, but also the equation itself is. And I recognize that through my own ability, just like my dad, um, I I don't have the ability to help you to see the answer. But I want you to know that this week I have been praying for you. And I've asked numbers of my friends to, to pray about this morning as well, because it's the Holy Spirit actually that comes to reveal the truth to us, comes to reveal the answer. And I believe he's going to for, for many of us this morning, because our ability to know the answer to this equation will transform our lives like it transformed mine 21 years ago, and still continues to transform my life. Every day, I remember it 
to be true. It's what transformed Paul's life and led him to be baptized this morning. And some of you, when you see this equation, will will look at it and say, "Ah, I already know what the answer is. I've seen this before. This is not new information. Okay, I want you just to take a moment this morning and, and just do like an internal audit and, and ask God to speak to you and highlight to you if your Christian life really reflects that you have understood and grasped this equation to be true. Honestly, there were times in my life where uh, my life looks like I don't understand the equation. Everything in me kind of knows it in in theory, but also everything in me wrestles to accept it, to enjoy it, which can sometimes be evident from just kind of looking at at how I live my life. I'm prone to slightly amending this equation in the belief that I can still get to the same answer. And so I keep on needing to come back to it and and look at it again and remind myself of the truth of this equation. It is something that the Apostle Paul uh, understood. Paul, who who wrote the letter to the Philippians that we've been going through over the last few weeks, and it's something that will come out in the the passage that we're going to look at today. So what I'm going to do is I'm I'm just going to put this equation up on the screen, nice and big, for you all to see it, and then we're going to read the passage, and we're going to try and and work out uh, what the equation is, what the X is. So here it is. Jesus plus X equals everything. Jesus plus X equals everything. Everything, And by everything, I mean salvation. I mean relationship with God. I mean acceptance by a holy God. I mean eternal life. Jesus plus X equals everything. And we're going to look and we're going to discover what the X is this morning. Okay, what do you need to do, Jesus, to get to everything? Okay, so we're going to read from Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 14 this morning. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit and who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, as in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. 
I want to know Christ. Yes, to, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already achieved all this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Okay, so it's an amazing passage. Uh, We're only going to look at it very briefly this morning. We're actually going to come back and look at it again in a few weeks' time. But let me encourage you this week to just read it to yourself slowly. It's so good. If you're in a life group um, this week, spend some time as a group just chewing it over and, and discussing it together. It's a great passage. And Paul starts by making a statement that he puts no confidence in the flesh. So the first thing we need to be clear on is confidence for what? Confidence for what? What is Paul trying to achieve? Well, in in the rest of this passage, he goes on to talk about what he's wanting to experience in life and, and ultimately in death. He says he wants to gain Christ and be found in him. He says he wants to know Christ, not just kind of know him generally, He's specific about it. He wants to know the power of his resurrection, participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. In other words, through knowing Christ, he wants to experience the power of Christ, who, having died physically on a cross, rose from the grave supernaturally and now lives eternally. Paul wants to experience everything Christ experienced, an intimate relationship with God, defeating death and living eternity, eternally. Confidence for what? Confidence for all of that. But Paul states that he puts no confidence in achieving any of that in the flesh by which he means through life's circumstances or through human achievement. And he goes on to talk about what those flesh things are for him. He says, if anyone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, confidence in their own achievement to gain salvation and eternal life, he has more. And he describes what I would say are his credentials. Seven things that he used to put his confidence in to gain acceptance by God and some, something of eternal life before he encountered, encountered Jesus Christ. And the seven things he highlights are these. Let's just look at them briefly. Circumcision on the eighth day. I'm not going to really talk about circumcision much on Father's Day. You guys don't need to hear that on a day when you're meant to be relaxing. Okay. But circumcision, something was done to Paul at birth, physically, as a physical sign that marked him out as part of God's people, the Israelites. 
And he was confident because of this physical sign, he would gain acceptance by God. Two, he says he was of the people of Israel. He was born into the right nation. You know, God in the Old Testament calls the Israelites his chosen people. He says that they will be my people and I will be their God. And so believing that he was born into the right nation also made Paul think he also had the right to a relationship with God of the tribe of Benjamin, he says. Of that nation, the Israelites, he was born into a particular tribe and and in that tribe... Once upon a time was born the king, the great King Saul. He was born into the same tribe that that King Saul, who is a great king in their history, was born into. In fact, Paul was named after him. His original birth name was Saul. And so because of these things, something was done to him physically to mark him out as differently. He was born into the right nation. He was born into kind of the right tribe of that nation He's, he's basically as Jewish as you could get, or as he puts it, number four, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, he says he's a Pharisee, which is to say that he had the highest standing possible in understanding Old Testament scripture and abiding by God's laws. Now, as a Pharisee, they, they prided themselves on having a, a superior knowledge of the Old Testament. They, they learnt the laws inside out. They, they, they learnt it from a young age, from childhood. They would have been taught by a rabbi, go off to some kind of school to, to learn all the laws for years and years. And as a result, the Pharisees thought they knew the law better than anyone. And Paul says, I put my trust in the fact I know the law inside out. As for the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As Pharisees, they were passionate about keeping the Old Testament law. And they they looked out for any groups that didn't seem to be abiding by the laws as they did. They're kind of veering off and doing something different to his understanding of Scripture. They wanted to protect the law. And what they would do is make it their passionate goal to try and get rid of anyone who seemed to deviate from their understanding of Old Testament scripture. As for zeal, persecuting the church. That's what I'm doing for God. And number seven, lastly, righteousness based on the law, he says, faultless. That's that's a pretty big statement. He's saying, in other words, he has kept the rules perfectly. All the things that are are written in in the scriptures, he has nailed them. He's done them brilliantly, and therefore he is morally successful to the point of being blameless. And Paul's setting out his credentials, and and it's it's a pretty impressive list. Before he met Christ, he was living his life with, with this equation. Nationality plus academic biblical knowledge, plus passion, plus moral purity equals everything. Salvation, relationship with God, eternal life. It's an equation that believes that if you come from a particular place 
or live in a particular way, you can gain acceptance by God, a ticket into heaven when you die. Now, for you, it might not be those seven things, but you will be living with some kind of equation in your life if you believe there is more to life than just this one. Being kind plus generous equals everything. As long as I'm kind of kind to people and I, I, I give money to charity and I, I'm, I'm generous to the poor, I'll, I'll be all, all right in the end. Living a good life plus not committing any of the major crimes equals everything. As long as I don't murder anyone, you know, I've never murdered anyone. I hope you haven't. But if, as long as I kind of keep the rules, you know, that sort of stuff, I'll be fine. God will accept me if I don't do any major crime. Keeping a set of, you've seen it already, I can sense. Keeping a set of rules plus, um, sorry, I'll go back one. Living a good life plus, my notes are different than yours. What are you seeing? Keeping a set of rules, not listening to country music. Oh yeah, I did keep that one in there. Um, equals everything. I mean, clearly this one is not true because, you know, you must listen to country music. It is amazing. But we can live a set of rules, like the one I've got here, keeping a set of rules plus going to church regularly equals everything. But Paul goes on to say that his worldview the equation that he was living his life by, he now considers garbage. His whole outlook on life, everything he was doing in the belief that would get him a, a ticket into God's good books and a place in heaven, he's come to realize is garbage. You know, the translation in your Bibles has been sanitized, actually. Most scholars agree that the word that was uh, use more closely associates to, to a slang word for excrement, which in our day would probably be the word crap. Paul believes that everything he's built his life on to become acceptable to God in the hope of achieving eternal life is a load of crap. And when he encountered Jesus, he had his worldview not just adjusted slightly, but turned upside down. The equation he lived with didn't just change partially, it changed radically. It didn't now simply become one of these. Jesus plus moral purity equals everything, salvation. Jesus plus biblical knowledge, sound biblical knowledge equals everything. Jesus plus nationality equals everything. Jesus plus passion even equals everything. Now he says that his credentials, he says this, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, which is to say not having a right standing before God that I've managed to get through, through hard work and good discipline, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that is from God on the basis of faith. Do you, do you see what he's saying? He's saying, I have gained everything. Salvation, eternity, acceptance, forgiveness, restored relationship with God, 
not through what I've been able to do, but simply through the work of Christ on the cross. It's a gift from God. Back to our equation that we started with, that if we fully understand it, will transform our lives like it transformed Paul's life and stop the the tireless pursuit of trying to win God's approval and gain acceptance through our own efforts. Jesus plus X equals everything. What is the X? Now, rather than doing what my dad did and just leaving it up there and, and circling it and pointing to it and saying, come on, what's the X? Let me just show you. It's this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You know, the, 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 good, the good news of the gospel what the Apostle Paul had come to understand, what our Paul, who got baptised, has come to understand, is that Jesus came to set us free from the demand to, to measure up, from the burden to get it all right, from the obligation to fix ourselves and find ourselves and free ourselves. Jesus came to set the captives free. Life doesn't have to look like a, a tireless effort to justify ourselves and establish ourselves and validate ourselves to a holy God. On the cross, Jesus paid the full price in order that our broken relationships with God could be fixed, leaving us absolutely nothing to do. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And when the apostle Peter in the book of Acts tells a whole crowd of thousands and thousands of people that have gathered to, to hear him speak, and he tells them about the gospel, he tells them what Jesus did on the cross, how he died for their sins, they say, it says that he, they were cut to their heart. And they say to him, what must we do? to be saved. And he doesn't say to them, you know, well, work hard. Get yourself circumstance, uh, circumcised. Study the Bible to a high level. Keep all the laws. No, he simply says believe. Believe and be baptised. That's it. You don't have to do anything, just believe in what Jesus has made possible for you. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You know, you may be hearing that for the first time this morning and, and you might just need a second to, to let it sink in because you've always thought that Christianity was primarily about keeping a load of rules in order to keep in with God. Nothing could be more further from the truth. And in this moment, I believe, I believe God wants to gently come to you and, and just say, you've been living your life with the wrong equation. 
is not about your credentials. It's Jesus plus nothing. Just believe it. And like Paul did this morning, get yourself baptised. And the trouble is that although, you know, it sounds simple, doesn't it? In practice, we find it very hard to accept. We know the theory, and I've known the theory for years and years, that it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But there's this, there's this internal wrestle that goes on inside of us that tries to exchange the nothing in the equation for something. You know, often there's reasons why that happens. You know, we're not used to getting something for nothing. We live in a world that says if you want to achieve anything, you need to work hard and put in some effort. And this equation is hard to accept because it, 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 we wrestle with it internally because we're just not used to that kind of offer. You know, we're told if you want to achieve anything in life, you don't get anything in life for free. Well, that's not how God's kingdom works. Jesus paid it all for you so that you could get it for free to know God. There is literally nothing you can do to earn it through hard work. And this morning, God, I believe, wants to help you not just to know it in your head, but know it in your heart and to enjoy the freedom that comes with it. And it's challenging to hear because it wrestles control out of our hands. If we can't achieve it ourselves, it means that we can't be better at it than other people. There can be no feelings of superiority in the church. We're all here because of what Jesus has done, not what we have done. And even though we, we know it to be true, we, we still feel like we want to prove ourselves more worthy of getting it than other people. And this is how it often works. The trouble is, it's a lie. And in the process of living like that, you know, and I know I, I've done it and still do it, I can spend way too much time thinking about how I'm doing, whether I'm growing, whether I'm doing it right or not, way too much time chewing over my failures and pondering my spiritual successes. Way too much time, in other words, thinking about me and how I'm doing in comparison to other people. And way too little time just thinking about Jesus and what he's already done for me. It's Jesus plus nothing. You know, we're all in the same boat. No, other, no one is more worthy of getting it than anyone else. It's a free gift. And this morning, I do believe that the Holy Spirit wants to just come and, and wrestle control of some of us and, and wrestle the challenge that we have just to accept it as a free gift. And finally, I, I believe some of us struggle to accept this equation because of shame in our lives. You know, for some people on your good days, you may believe this equation to be true, but there are many, many other days where you are reminded about your failures in your life and you carry a sense of shame about your past. And that shame can make you feel like you need to make it up to God somehow by working hard for him in order to gain everything. 
You know, I, that's true for me a lot of the time. On my good days, I serve God, I, I enjoy God, I do all things just out of an absolute joy of knowing that Jesus paid it all for me. But then there's this message that keeps on popping up in my head that I can't seem to get rid of, that just reminds me of things I've done in the past. Now, even a couple of weeks ago, I'm talking to a guy uh, about this. And I'm just saying, I've got so many things that I did before I became a Christian that I just never want to, I'm never going to tell you, ever. You're never going to know about them. But I know about them. I know what I did. I know how I lived. And on my worst days, my serving and my reading the Bible and my doing everything is actually a compensation for that and trying to make up to God for the fact that I blew it in life and that I was a mess. And he just said to me, it must be so tiring living that way. And it is. And we don't have to. And I know that, but I still wrestle with it. It happens internally. Holy Spirit wants to come and free us from feeling like because of things we've done in the past, we need to somehow make it up to God. I believe this morning God wants to come and free people who are living with the wrong equation. He's come to liberate us. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's the equation that says there is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. One writer put it like, like this, and we're going to end in a sec. The determining factor in my relationship with God is Jesus' work for us, not our work for him. His performance for us, not our performance for him. His obedience for us, not our obedience for him. God does not primarily relate to us on our feet for Jesus, but on Jesus' feet for us. The gospel tells us that God's acceptance for us is not gained by our success or forfeited by our failures because it's not about us. It's about him. It's Jesus plus nothing. Now, all the credentials that we bring to God and say, well, surely because of these things, I'll be made acceptable to God. It's a, it's a load of garbage. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that is based on the law, things that I've managed to do myself, but that which is from God, a gift on the basis of faith. It's only when we realize that we can do absolutely nothing for God that it actually we end up wanting to do everything for him. Not out of obligation, but simply out of gratitude as, and an act of worship. I wonder if we band come up, we're going to worship together in a minute. I really do feel the Holy Spirit wants to just come and land this equation in us. As I said, I, I don't have the ability, like my dad, to try and help you understand it. It's the Holy Spirit in us comes to reveal truth. And in actual fact, the Holy Spirit, God gives us the Holy Spirit 
to be in us because he knows that we need constantly to remember it. And the Holy Spirit in us is there to keep reminding you, you have done nothing to achieve this. This is a gift. He wants to speak that into your life this morning. Whether you're struggling to believe that because of things in your past, whether you've always thought that Christianity is just about a set of rules, whether you once knew it but you know you've, your Christian life has actually become about doing the right thing again and looking around to see how I'm doing compared to other people. Now it's a lot of garbage. I want just take a moment in the room at home. Just, just close your eyes for a moment. I'm just, I want to invite the Holy Spirit just to come and speak to us. Just remind us that it's Jesus plus nothing. Come Holy Spirit, I pray. God, I want to I pray for rest for people. I believe God wants I want you to know rest in me. I pray for people that are just worn out from trying to do the right thing. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring rest to people. Striving ceases. Pray for people that are struggling to accept your free gift because of things they've done in the past. God, I pray that you would win the battle for their mind right now as I'm constantly asking you to win the battle in my mind. Thank you that the Bible says you remember our sins no more. Help people to know that to be true. We're just going to sing a song. You, you, you can stay just sitting with your eyes shut or just join in if you want to or just listen to these words as, as Dan sings. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.